we can we're gonna be a little more casual Jude if you want to throw that uh, slide up so uh, you, you have these plans and then plans change this is you don't learn this stuff in college and you know pandemics they don't do a class on pandemics in college um, so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> How to do ministry in, pandem- in ministry during a pandemic, you know? Um, so, and, and this is, I don't know about you, but this has changed so quickly. So I remember uh, Thursday morning, Aaron and I were having a coffee, just talking about some stuff in the church. That was at 10 o'clock at Starbucks. We had our coffee, and I was telling her, yeah, you know, we're still excited. We're going Monday morning. Our family's going on a holiday out of the country. And by Friday afternoon, we had canceled that holiday out of the country because the government was saying you might not get back into the country. You know, like, and so like literally, you know, that was probably a 28-hour period and everything changed. So it's, it's fluid, it's fast, it's changing. And so weeks and weeks and weeks ago, I had planned, you know, to do this sermon series on Jesus talking about, you know, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, Friday afternoon, after we canceled our trip, I was like, uh, that would probably be, well, we're, g- we're going to park that, and we're going to talk about some other things that might be a little bit more relevant uh, in, for all of us. And so y- you'd be hard-pressed to open the Bible and not in, th- in a two-page spread like this, you, there's a high likelihood you would find one of these three words, fear or faith or wisdom. It is saturated throughout all of scriptures, those three words. And so this is what we're going to do. It's a little bit more casual. There's a bit of a uh, time delay on Facebook Live. But uh, so whether here or um, on Facebook Live, I got my cell phone number there. And I'm just going to encourage you, if you guys ever have any questions or anything about what we're talking about, we're going to kind of go take it a little bit more casual. Instead of kind of like a formal preaching, it's going to be a bit more um, teaching maybe. Uh, And, you know, feel free to text a question or something. And maybe at the end, I will kind of pull up my phone and just answer some questions. And if someone wants to, if they're so bold and they just want to fire up their hand at the end, we'll do that too. So I'm going to try to be a little shorter and then just be able to have a little dialogue about this. I thought it would be a bit more helpful uh, just with these themes in the world. So this is what I, so this is what I want to do. Is I want to tell one story from Scripture. And then I just want to briefly um, touch on those three words. Biblically, what do they mean? Because you could look it up in the Webster Dictionary and you get one definition. But when we talk about those three words, what, what does it mean uh, kind of through Scripture? So the classic story I want to share is from 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I'm going to tell the story but read some of the verses as we go. So it's page 195 in those Bibles in front of you if you want to look. But it's it's 1 Samuel chapter 17. And it is a famous classic story. I think maybe boys gravitate to it. It's David and Goliath. It is, it's a classic. 
And the whole chapter is telling this story. And this, this is how it begins. It kind of sets the stage of, of war, of battle. And you have the Philistines coming on one side of a valley, and you have the Israelites coming at the other side of the valley, and the idea is, is they can come down into the valley and battle. And so you can imagine they're setting up tents, they're setting up camp, you know, all the, the mechanisms of a nation of going into battle. You'd, you'd have to have everything from the soldiers to the people providing food for them to the, you know, the strategists. There'd probably be uh, servants along, there'd probably be women, maybe even some children there to care for these soldiers. And they're all getting together, and they're all anticipating of March, not marching, but racing down there and, and entering into battle. But then something different happens. On the Philistine side, this one guy comes down and he makes a proposition. He kind of changes things. You go, can you imagine years later? You're anticipating one thing. You're anticipating war. And this guy comes down and they say he's nine feet nine inches tall. Only in my dreams. I can imagine. Um, I always appreciate when my wife laughs at, at me. Um, so is it, literally a giant comes down, but and it starts to talk about what his armor is and everything because it's trying to show his power. Like, like his armor is over 100 pounds. And he's coming down, so it's, it's describing his wealth and his power. And he comes down and he says, you know what, this is silly. Why, why have, you know, these two nations fighting all these deaths just to see who can, who can win? You know, instead, I think what should happen is just me and one other person will fight, and whoever wins, their nation wins. It's much more reasonable. One person dies instead of many people dying is what Goliath is proposing. And in chapter 17, verse 11, this is the response. On hearing the Philistines' words, or on hearing Goliath's words, Saul, the king of Israel, and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So it wasn't that like, okay, we're going to war. It was dismayed and terrified. They see this proposition. They see this nine-foot-nine-inch Goliath. And it's just all of the air is out of the balloon. It's just like, oh, in terror. So David comes. He's a young lad. Little, he's coming. He's checking out his brothers. Three older brothers are there. Battle, and so he's probably excited. He wants to check what's going on. You know, like any young guy, he's probably wanting to hear the news and what's happening, what are the battle plans, what's the strategy, let's see what's going on. And uh, he comes in verse 16, it says, For 40 days the Philistine Goliath came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So this isn't like one or two days this is happening. For 40 days, twice a day, Goliath would come out with his challenge. And the Israelites are dismayed and terrified. So David's dad gave him some food and some stuff to bring to his brothers because it's been a long time. It's been 40 days that they've been there in battle. 
they're not battling. They've been there in like anticipating battle mode. And David, I don't know if it's a youngest born thing or what, but he's kind of chatting up his brothers and like, why aren't you, like, what's going on? Why aren't you doing this? Like, what's happening? Why, why, you know, and they're getting a little annoyed because they're, they're terrified. They're depressed. They're like, what is, go- like, what are we going to do? They're dismayed. And while David's there, because he's doing it twice a day, he sees Goliath. He hears Goliath and his proposition. And at verse 23 and 24, it says this. And as he, as David was talking to them, his brothers and the soldiers, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So could you imagine all these soldiers are kind of getting there, looking down in the valley, and they're all, you know, guys talking. Oh, yeah, you know. I think a guy, if you got a spear or a sword, you feel a little bit more, you know, macho, and they're probably all doing, being a little macho. And then Goliath comes down, and they fled him in great fear. It's like tails down, and ah, they all go hiding. And so David starts asking questions like, why aren't we taking care of him? Like, what is it? Who's, who's stepping up? Why hasn't someone fought him? For, for whatever reason, David doesn't seem to have this same fear and dismay. His response when he sees Goliath isn't to run away, but to start being like, come on, guys. Why haven't you done something? And like older brothers, they tell him to be quiet. You don't understand. You're not smart enough, wise enough, whatever. You just, just be quiet. But it started to, you know, people heard David and his questions and his challenges, and it got back to Saul, the king. And so Saul calls David. And in verse 32, it says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on the count of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Side note, could you imagine what David's older brothers would have thought if they heard that? Like the little brother, the, you know, the guy you picked on probably all the time, put in his place, and he's like, I'll go fight him. Nine foot nine, that's not that big. And Saul's response is just that. Like, how, how can you do that? You're not a warrior. You're a kid. You're a youth. Like, you're, 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 this guy's a trained soldier. He's been fighting since he was your age, and, and you're not a warrior. And so David starts to tell him stories about, like, hey, I'm a shepherd, and I got these sheep, and, like, lions and bears and things come. And so I got to step up. I either got to run or I got to, you know, fight these animals. And here is the key to David. In verse 37, as he's talking to Saul and he's telling the story of what he does when these animals come, he says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And so for David, it wasn't, you know, like, hey, 
I'm really good with the slingshot. You haven't seen what I can do with the slingshot. It was, hey, I've done these things because God was with me. And as you read and you talk, it's just, it's, it's God, God, the Lord, the Lord, God was with me. God did this through me. And so it almost becomes contagious because Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. I wonder what the nation thought. Here's the king. First of all, why didn't the king step up and go? That's a side note. But he's sending a boy, someone who's not even in the army. And he's like, yeah, 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 go, go. We believe in you. And then there's the classic, you know, they try to, Saul tries to put him in his arm, and he says, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. This doesn't fit. I'm going to take my sling. And he goes and he gets five stones. And he walks down the valley when Goliath is coming twice a day, so he goes down there to meet him. And Goliath is kind of like, seriously? A kid? Starts throwing insults at him. And in verse 45, this is how the story goes. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled, defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. And so I think Goliath didn't really think too much of that response. And so he charges after him, and we know how it ends. Sling, stone, forehead, falls down. David takes his sword and cuts off his head. As you read the story, it's gruesome because he gets brought back to Saul to talk to Saul, and he's still holding the head as he's talking to Saul. But, but do you notice in that how much God referenced this is what I'm going to do because God is with me. Because the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, God, God. The Philistines, dismay, fear, run away. David doesn't seem to have that same fear. So fear. I think in a reality, God, God, God gives us fear as a tool. If I was hiking in the mountains in the Rockies and a grizzly bear just kind of jumped out into the path, fear would shoot through every neuron in my body. And God created that because I would do one of a few things. I'd either run or I'd fight that grizzly bear, which would be an unwise choice, or I'd maybe just curl up in a ball and panic. You know, fear, in those initial reactions, fear causes us to do some things. And that's healthy. That's good. We need that. You know, you're driving in bad conditions. Fear can help you. It can cause you to be like, you know, I'm going to pull over and I'm going to stop. 
or I'm going to slow down, or I'm going to, you know, it's, that's healthy. But 80 times the Bible clearly says, don't be afraid. And another 30 times, it's, it's basically saying that, just in a different way. So over 100 times, Scripture, God is saying, do not be afraid. And, and I think that's different. What, what, what that's referencing is different than that initial, like, situational fear. That is what the Philistines were doing, living in fear. This constant, always fear. And God is saying, don't be afraid. And I know the reaction, I agree with you, it's, that's easy to say. You know, just don't be afraid. In Genesis 28:15, God's talking to Jacob, and he says this. God says this to Jacob. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And I think that is what David was holding on. Because it wasn't just a promise to Jacob. It was a promise to Jacob and all his descendants, which is us. I will never leave you until I've accomplished what I've promised in your life. And I think David knew that. So here's a fear and faith are actually extraordinarily similar there's just one slight little difference. And when I tell the story of David and Goliath, is I think we see it um, quite evident. We see, the f- we see the Israelites operating in fear, and we see David operating in faith. You see, both of them are about the unknown of the future. When we live in fear, it's generally because we don't know what the future holds. Faith is the exact same thing. It's about an unknown future. The difference is fear is the absence of God. We take God out of the equation. I see this unknown future without God. We can say we believe in God, but we don't have this belief that God is with us and he's working. Faith is this unknown future, but it's with God. God is with us. So I, I, don't, I can't explain it. I don't know what everything's ha- happening. But I have faith because God is with me. I am fearful about this unknown future because I have no clue what's going to happen, how I'm going to figure this out. Now, unfortunately, having faith, God doesn't promise that everything's going to be easy or you know, comfortable or perfect. All he promises is, I will be with you. So, th- so the question becomes, is, is, is you look into the future, are you fearful? Is it the absence of God? Or are you f- full of faith? You're kind of like, you know what? We need to just keep stepping into this future, but I'm with God. And then there's that third word, wisdom. I. Uh, Low, there's all sorts of parts. There's a whole section in the Bible called wisdom literature, which is like the wisdom section of the Bible. It'd be like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and different things like that. But often when we think of wisdom, we think of uh, the book of Proverbs. 
And there's this, there's this great verse where it talks about what wisdom is, and it actually uses fear in it. So it kind of is like, what? But, it, but this is a proverb, and Proverbs 9 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So how is the fear of God the beginning of wisdom? I, Tyson, you just said fear is the absence of God. Different, similar word, or same word in English, but it's, it's saying something different. In that context, the fear of God, what that is, is it's a reverence of God. It's a like, okay, you are God and I am not kind of mindset. I know my place. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe it's a... a, a employee-worker relationship, and either you were the boss of somebody, and they s- treated you in such a way that you were like, whoa, 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 you just overstepped your bounds. That never happens with parenting, um, where your kid oversteps their bounds and says something to you. Never. So I could use other examples. Um, but you, you, you know those situations where you're kind of like, uh, excuse me? You, you want to be like, you don't get to talk to me that way because that's a picture of what the fear of God is. God is here. We are here. And, and, and what Proverbs is saying is that's the beginning of wisdom is when we kind of know where, we, where we're at with God. And James, often referred to as kind of like the wisdom book of the New Testament, James chapter 1 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So it's this idea of wisdom is kind of a gift that you can ask God for. Knowledge is something you, you, know, you learn, you, you acquire, but wisdom is a gift that you can ask God for. So the situation you know, we're in now, with, with things changing by the day, we could even say by the hour, we need wisdom. And what wisdom, really, in its essence, if I, if I could boil it up, is, is asking God, partnering with God, what should we do, what should I do, and then doing what he says. Now, we could also say on that is, you know, acquiring, you know, information and, and, and good, good um, facts and then, and then making a decision based on that. But it's, it's, it's this partnership with God is... And I think one author, he references Christian atheists. You say you believe in God, but you live your life in such a way that there is no God. And so he refers to people like that as Christian atheists. And really what faith and wisdom is, is is you're trying to say, no, 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 I want to have God and him marinate in all of this. And so, yes, I've got to make decisions and I have to make choices, but it's like, okay, God, where do you want me to go? This is unknown, but you are with me. And I think sometimes, the, I just want, always want to clarify, I think sometimes the fallacy is uh, we think if God's with us, then it, it, it's going to be just, you know, awesome and easy and pleasurable and wonderful. And that is a North American lie of faith in Jesus. Because nowhere in Scripture does it say when you follow God, everything is going to be easy and pleasurable. What he promises is that he'll be with us and that we'll have a, you know, a full life 
which means that everything that God has for us, everything that he wants for us, will we'll start to move and operate in that. But that doesn't always mean pleasure. Again, back to parenting. You could see that with your kids. You don't always make everything, you know, let's just feed them sugar and let them do whatever they want and go to bed whenever they want. That would be unwise parenting. That would be a recipe for chaos, anarchy. So, um, like I said, this was Friday afternoons, deciding, like, okay, course correction on what to talk about. Uh, to bring it back to uh, us, this virus and everything that's happening, I would say if you, you know, live in fear about it. So in other words, we don't know what the future holds. From week to week, day to day, things seem to be changing. Some countries seem to be handling it better than others. To live in a fear where you're like, ah, oh, this is chaos. Ah, oh, everything's going horrible. You would be like the Philistines when Goliath came down. I think living in faith in all this, wise faith, is not that you're reckless. Not that you're just being like, oh, God's going to protect me. I can do whatever I want. That's unwise. Foolish. Read Proverbs, what talks about foolish people. Um, but what it would be is, you know what? I'm wisely going to keep stepping forward knowing that God is with me in this uncertain future. So even though I know that there might be some uncomfort and there might be some things that are awkward, what I do know is that God is not going to leave me. And if God is with me, it's going to be okay. Big picture, it's going to be okay. So I think, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, when we're telling this story, this is going to be one of those moment stories where we tell that story back. My hope, my prayer, is that that story, when we tell it to our kids or grandkids, it is marinated like, let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you what God taught me. Let me tell you what God showed me or how God was with me through this crazy time we're in. Having that mindset instead of, oh man, the sky's falling. I don't know what the future holds and it's paralyzing me. That's where God would say, do not be afraid. I am with you. So, any questions? Anybody want to stand up and say, you are completely wrong, Tyson? Um, <laughs> Brian, sit down. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I did want this to be like an opportunity. It doesn't have to be, but just because moment, just the, yeah, the time we're in. No one wants saving. And I'm assuming no one texts because my phone didn't vibrate. So let me do, before I pray, let me just do a little housekeeping kind of things. Dylan did a great job talking this. Like I said, Thursday morning, I thought I was going on a trip. Friday afternoon, I was canceling that trip. I can't tell you what's next Sunday is going to happen. Uh, 
but we will operate in faith and wisdom. So we will let you know. Either way, we'll let you know on kind of website, Facebook, emails, Instagram, kind of those are our four main communication pieces. Um, and if we have to suspend, you, you'll, you'll probably know a lot of the larger churches because they have large gatherings, canceled their services. We felt it was okay because we're a smaller gathering. We just asked people if they were not feeling well to stay away. If we have to uh, cancel our Sunday services, uh, I will put together, I, I, I was thinking, about, I'll probably put together some sort of like uh, Bible study thing that you can do as a family at home or an individual or a couple and just something you can uh, work together where you can open the Bible and have some questions and, and spend some time kind of doing what we do just in a different way. Probably one of the other things, especially if, as you can see, we're shutting down. This is what I'd like you to do. Because I think this is what the church community should do. Because if you know anybody that's vulnerable, that needs help, so an elderly person or maybe someone that doesn't have a car or whatever, if you know anybody that's vulnerable in this situation and they need help, please get a hold of me. And I will work my best to mobilize, whether it's taking someone to get groceries or getting them groceries and taking it to their house or whatnot. But I think one of the ways that we can be the church in a situation like this is to care and love and help people, and uh, especially the vulnerable. And so what I've been told is uh, during this situation is the vulnerable or the elderly and uh, those that are already sick uh, respiratory problems, and they need to stay quarantined, stay at ho home. So uh, I won't say more on that. I'm just going to say uh, if lots of us kind of have ears to the ground and we hear anything, let me know, and then I can get, you know, I, we can mobilize. I can talk to different people and, and be a bit of a hub that way to help and care for people. Let me pray. God, this is unknown, it's confusing, it is surreal, but I pray that you would help us to live in faith, not in fear. I pray that we would see you with us in the situation. And like I said, I pray that we would have kind of the the eyes of faith so that when we tell the story years from now, it is like David, where we can say, the Lord did this, and the Lord was with us, and the Lord helped us here, um, that we wouldn't be like the Israelites and paralyzed with fear and running away. And so we thank you, God. We praise you, and we worship you. Amen. So don't feel like you have to rush off. You can visit. Just don't touch anybody. No, I'm sure. um, but yeah, in all seriousness, community is important. So